0: I want to ask you a question this morning. As a kid, what did you want to be? For me, at one point, I wanted to be an astronaut. Then I found out that there's not many astronauts out there. I probably didn't have a good chance at it. At one point, I wanted to be a lawyer. Obviously, that didn't work out for me either. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Let me ask you this question. As we grow in Christ, as we have talked about that we are to know, to grow, to show, and to go, as we grow in Christ, what does God want us to be? And I believe the answer to that is that He wants us to be like Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I ask right now that You simply Remove me out of the way. God, I ask that you breathe and speak into this place, oh God. Lord, that we may humble ourselves before the great I am. And Lord, I pray today that we will truly look like Jesus. Lord, that we will follow your example. And Lord, that we will be willing To pick up our cross daily and follow after you. That the whole world may know that our God saves. Lord, I pray this morning that my preaching and teaching are not in persuasive words of wisdom. But in the demonstration of the power. So that our faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Lord, we love you and praise you. For it's in your name. Amen. Obviously, many of you have picked up now at this point. That John 13 is the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I want to start in chapter 13, verse 1 of John. And I want to just open up with this verse. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them. To the end. Let me kind of set the stage here for a moment. You got to understand that in just a few hours, Jesus would be on the cross. In just a few hours, he would declare a statement that to this day should make us shout beyond all measure. I mean, more excited than anything that you watched yesterday. We should be so excited when he said, It is finished. in just a few hours he would be in some sense departing from the disciples now he told them hey i'm going to go but but there's it's good for you that i go that the helper may come the holy spirit would come and live inside of them it's powerful it's incredible what's going to take place but this is one of the last times that he teaches his disciples One of the last times that he is speaking to them. If this was your last moment with your children. If it was your last moment with those that you discipled. If it was one of your last moments with your family member. I guarantee you you would take and make the most of that moment. And give them some of the most important information, teaching that you could. And you would also want them to know that you love them. Jesus says here, it says in the scripture in verse One of chapter 13, he says. He says, knowing that he would depart out of this world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The scripture they're talking about to the end is meaning that he loved them with the fullness, the most complete love possible. The first thing I want you to see in John 13 is that Jesus loved with a sacrificial love. An unconditional, agape love. Jesus' love was just about in a few moments, in a few hours, to be displayed in, in, in the best way known possible, and that was Him on the cross. People ask me all the time, how much does God love you? He loves you from one scarred hand to the other. It's this much. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, It says that God demonstrated his own love towards us. And that while you were sinners, Christ died for you. He died for me while we were still sinners. When we wanted nothing to do with him, he died for you. An unconditional, a sacrificial love. In Philippians 2, it talks about how Jesus, he emptied himself and became a bondservant even to death. That's how much he loves you. And he loves me. We see in John 3.16. Many of you have this memorized. I would venture to say. Everybody in this room has it memorized. For God so loved. Not a piece. Not a part. Not me without you. No. God so loved the whole world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him. Shall not perish. But Have eternal life we see the unconditional the agape sacrificial love of the father by sending his son to die on the cross in first john chapter 3 verse 16 it says we know love by this that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren you say david you're about to talk about the washing of the feet. I am, absolutely. But when I ask you the question, what does God want us to be? He wants us to be like Christ. And look at this scripture again in 1 John three sixteen. He says, we know love by this that he laid down his life for us. And then here it is, the example for us. He says, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The example of Christ. He's saying you want to be Christ-like, then you're called to love as Christ loved you. You're called to love your enemy. You're called to love all people as Christ loved you. Is that what comes forth from our life? Because when that's what comes forth from our life, people see Jesus and not us. See, so often the culture tells us that love means all these different things. But when we love the way that Christ loved us and we love people, by abiding in Christ and Him coming forth from us, they're going to see Jesus, not the culture anymore. We're going to begin to be like Christ. In John 13, 34-35, it says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then the the scripture that was spoken two weeks ago, as we were talking about vision, it says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. How will they know that you are his disciples? By the way you love, you have love for one another. Your love for each person in this room is going to be so different than the culture that they're going to know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because our love is unconditional. Our love is that we're going to lay our life down for our brother and our sister in Christ. Our love is that of Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Therefore be imitators. Be like Christ. Be like God. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in what? Love. Just as Christ also loved you. And he gave himself up. For us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a fragrant aroma. We are called to love like Christ. We're called to love unconditionally. We're called to love sacrificially. We're called to lay our life down. You say, David, what does that love look like? I told you that love looks like this right here on the cross. Him giving His life for you, demonstrating His love for us, that though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And many of you know that in 1 Corinthians 13, it also talks about that love is patient. That love is kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag. It's not arrogant. It doesn't act unbecoming. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account wrong suffering. It does not rejoice in the unrighteousness But it rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. You say, David, how do I know what the love of Christ looks like? Just go back and read 1 Corinthians 13. Verses 4 through 7. We must love people and have patience with them. We must not hold things against them. We must love them unconditionally. Let us continue on in the text. In verse 2 it says, During supper the devil having already put into the heart of Judas the son of Simon to betray him. In verse 3 it says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. And that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. He got up from supper. And he laid aside his garment and taking a towel he girded himself. And then he poured water into a basin. I want you to see here one of the greatest signs of humility. First, we have a sacrificial love, but then we see that Jesus has called us to serve. He's called us to serve. We see that Jesus, I want you to go back in verse three. It says, knowing that the Father has given all things into his hands. You know what that declares? That statement declares that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is highly exalted. All things are in his hands. And in the next verse, he said, He takes off his garment. He grabs a towel to wash the feet of the disciples. A job that was there for a slave, a servant. Not even the disciples, they weren't washing their own feet or each other's feet. But Jesus said, hey, I I love you unconditionally. And I'm going to take on, listen, all things are in my hands. But I'm going to take on the role of a servant. And I'm going to pick up this cloth and I'm going to wash the feet. We see the greatest sign of humility in those two verses. you know what God is telling us? is that we are to be humble servants of God. Humble servants of God. What we see in that scripture is, is that Jesus was not about a position. He was not trying to say, look at me and and how mighty I am. It wasn't about a position to obtain, it was about the position of the heart. Let me say that again. Too often in life, we are more focused on the position that we want to obtain. Instead of being focused on the position of the heart, of taking a knee and kneeling before the great I am and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You look at shepherd boy David. Shepherd boy David in, in, in First Samuel, when, they went to, uh, when, when Samuel was looking for a king, To anoint as king. He went to the first one and and the first son of Jesse was man. He was strapping. He was big. He was mighty. He, He was the guy. And God said, no, I don't look on the outward position of man. No, I'm looking at the heart. I want a heart that is in obedience and knelt before the king of kings in total surrender before God. That's what God was looking for. I always love the story of shepherd boy David because even Jesse, his father, his own father, didn't give him a chance. Samuel said, hey, do you have any more children? Well, yeah, I've got one more out in the field. So they went and got him and came back and God spoke to Samuel and said, this is him. He has a heart after me. A heart after God though he didn't look the part, though he didn't, didn't have the education that he needed, though he didn't have all the things that, that the culture would say, this is what you need. God said all he needed was a heart that was in obedience and bowed in humility before me. God's called us to serve with a humble heart. You know, nine and a half years ago, well, let me just go all the way back. Eleven and a half years ago, I was taking a job at CanaCook Camps, CanaCook K Life. It was a parachurch organization. They asked me. They said, "What would ever take you away from CanaCook? What would take you away from working at K Life?" They said, "We want you to sign a two-year contract. In two years, what would take you away?" And I said, "The only..." And I spoke this not knowing anything. I said, "The only thing that would take me away is if Brother Fred and Brother Ed ever started a church." And I said, "If they ever called me to come on staff, I would go." A year later, after speaking that, I get a phone call that says, Hey, Brother Fred and Brother Ed have started a church. I was like, quite interesting. (laughs) A year later, I had about two weeks before I signed my next contract with K-Life, and I got a phone call from Brother Fred. And Brother Fred called and said, David, I want you to pray about coming to Luke 4.18. And in my heart, I had forgotten what I had spoken, but the Lord reminded me. But here's what I want you to hear in all this. I didn't come to Luke 4.18 nine and a half years ago to take a position as youth pastor of Luke 4.18. No. It was not about a position. It was about coming to serve for the kingdom of God, to see people across this city come to Christ. It's never in my life been about a position. It's been about serving God as our King and as our Lord. My life has been bought with a price and it's the love of Jesus on the cross that I have given my life as a life of service to Him. Not about any type of position. We must see as Jesus speaks in verses 3 through 5 that it wasn't about a position. It was about the position of the heart that Jesus picked up a servant's job to wash the feet of his disciples. The next thing I want you to see in this is that there's no task that was too low to do for Christ. There's no task that God has called us that's too menial for us to do for the kingdom of God. Sometimes people say, well, well, you know, that's just not my job. That's not for me. I don't know if I want to do that or if I want to help clean that up or be a part of that. There's other people that we can call on to do this. Do you realize that Jesus knelt down and wiped? Like the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Son of God knelt down and washed the feet of his disciples. A task that was there for a servant or for a slave. He said, listen, I want you to understand, there is no task too menial for us to do for the kingdom of God. Sometimes the tasks are are just strange or, or, or gross. When I was in youth ministry, I remember driving up the mountain, going to Branson, Missouri to take students to camp. And all of a sudden, a kid comes walking down the bus... And he said, David, I don't really feel too. He didn't say anything else (laughs) because he couldn't speak. Because he was in that moment getting sick on the seat, on the floor, and on me. But instead of looking at one of my leaders and saying, okay, clean this up, please, we knelt down, we comforted him. And we scrub the floors. We scrub the seat. And let me tell you something, I don't like that smell. (laughs) But God had put it on my heart to serve that young man in that moment. There is no task too menial. If we ever get to a place where, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, David. Like, listen, God's called me to this. He would never call me to step down and do that. Let me tell you something, you will never be used by God in a place of prominence if you're not willing to kneel down and wash the feet of those around you. There is no task too menial. The third thing I want you to see in this is that, in serving, is that serving others is thinking of them more highly than yourself. Let me explain that to you. Jesus, in that moment, also had the same issue that the disciples would have had. He had dirty feet. Now, on a spiritual level, as you'll see in a minute, when Peter cries out, No, no, what are you doing? And he says, Listen, if I don't wash you, if I don't wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. I'm not saying that Jesus had any, Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God, no sin in him. But he would have walked there just like everybody else would have walked there. And in that moment, he said, the need of the disciples for their feet to be washed, I'm going to not focus on my feet being washed, and I'm going to wash their feet. He allowed the need of others to be something that was more important to him than his own in that moment. He said, you know, I'm going to go wash their feet. That's why Peter was like, Whoa, 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 I'm supposed to wash your feet, Jesus. What are you doing? And we'll get to that in a minute. But Jesus said, No, I'm going to look and see the need and I'm going to serve. You got to understand, he's setting an example for them to follow. This is one of the last things that he teaches them. And he's telling them, Hey, follow me, do as I do. In Philippians chapter 2, it's also spoken very clearly in verses 3 through 4. It says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another. Some scriptures say, count one another as more important than yourself. And then verse 4, Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And then it says in verse 5, it says, have the attitude which is in Christ. Can I show you, though, what it says, how it speaks it in the ESV? In the ESV, it says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. That is a powerful proclamation. Proclamation. What it's saying, what we're seeing, and when you look into the the Greek, it says, hey, the only way that you can have the attitude of Christ is when you are in Christ. The only way that you can think of others more than yourself is when you are abiding and united in Christ. John 15, abide in Him, apart from Him you can do nothing. Have the mind among yourself which is yours. In Christ Jesus. Listen, we have to say there's needs among us. And God's called us to go and to kneel down and wash the feet. Isn't that so contrary to our culture? Our culture says it's all about me, I. I told you all before, I've seen a church called I Church. That church probably got some problems. Because when you follow the example of Jesus, you kneel down and you wash the feet of those around you. You serve those around you. Now let me just also say this. That thinking of others more highly than yourself, when you're talking about humility, it doesn't mean that, that, that you think of yourself, um, that, you, that you're thinking less of yourself. It means that you think of yourself less. Let me say that again. It's not thinking um, less of yourself, like, oh, I'm going to beat myself up and tell myself that I'm worthless, I'm nothing. No, it's not thinking less of, of who you are. It's just thinking about you less. And thinking about others more. Many of y'all have heard the story that I've shared with you before about Johnny, who was an air Force, or, or a pilot in the, in the military. And Johnny believed in... Putting others before himself. Johnny was an incredible pilot. This is a true story of a man who, like he, he was just absolutely incredible that he had made it to an elite flying group that flew around and did acrobatic stunts. Not the Blue Angels, um, but a group like it. But one day, when they were in their journey, as they were showing before a crowd, they went up to do a Florida Lee in the air with the smoke coming behind it. But something happened to Johnny's uh, plane. And all of a sudden, Johnny's plane wouldn't do what it was supposed to. And he was coming in, he was going, his plane was coming down, it was going to crash. And the people on, on the radio were saying, Johnny, uh, jump, get out of the plane, use your parachute, get out of the plane. You're you're too valuable. Get out of the plane. And Johnny said, this plane is coming down into somebody's house. And so with all of his strength, he pulled back on the rudders. And he brought that plane over the house. And he landed in a field outside, away from the house, losing his own life. He believed in putting others before himself. At Canna we call it the I'm third lifestyle. God first, other second, and ourself third. He lived the I'm third lifestyle. He knew. He had no clue who was in that house. But he knew if somebody was in there that they would die if he ejected out of the plane. And so he put their life ahead of his own. Johnny was a believer in Christ. So praise God. As Paul says, for me to live is Christ for me to die is game. One pastor put it this way How many quarrels at the church and in our homes would stop before they started if we would take our eyes off of ourselves and our needs and instead put them on others and their needs? How many times within our own household, some of y'all are like, oh my goodness, why did you go there? In our own house, between husband and wife, how many arguments would cease if we would just simply think more of their needs, of who we're looking at, who is our bride or our husband, and and think more of their needs than our own in that moment. And the same would go in any church house. So we see that we are to serve with humility. We see that there is no task too low for us we see that we are to think others of others more than ourselves. Oh, but it gets even harder. Are you ready? The next thing I want you to see is this. We serve all people, even those who hate us. Let me say that again. We serve all people, even those who hate us. In verse 6 of chapter 13, it says this. And so he came to Simon and he said to him, Lord, Lord. Do you wash my feet? But what I want you to see is that he came to Simon, which means that he had been going through the disciples and washing their feet. Ultimately, he finally gets to, to Simon Peter. And what I want you to know is, is that he had washed the disciples' feet. That would have included a man named Judas. Now go back to verse 2. Verse 2. During the supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas to betray him, And here's Jesus knowing what was going to take place. Knowing what was going to happen. He said, hey, I'm going to bow my knee. And I'm going to wash your feet. Can you imagine the culture today when we as believers begin to say, hey, I love you. I love you. Because Christ first loved me and he saved my life. and I'm going to serve you going to serve you i'm going to wash your feet is that not contrary to the culture today somebody does something against you oh we just don't talk to them but jesus says no pick up the towel and serve no jesus says go and love them unconditionally sacrificially and serve why does jesus tell us that because it's in that moment of serving, it's in that moment of unconditional love that all they see is Jesus and not you. It's no longer I who live Galatians 2:20, but Christ who lives in me. They no longer see David Bullock, but they see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's continue on in the scripture. In verse 4, he got up from supper and he laid aside his garment and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. And so he came to Peter and he said to him, Lord, do, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him and said, what I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet, Jesus. Never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. What a response by Peter. Peter's always getting his his foot in his mouth, right? Sometimes I feel like Peter. No, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. congregation, let me just share with you, brothers and sisters in Christ, it requires humility for you to receive from somebody serving you. In Paul's pride and arrogance, he said, what are you doing? You're not going to wash my feet. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to let people see that I'm washing Jesus' feet. I'm going to let people see that I'm doing this for you, Jesus. What are you doing? No, you're not going to do that. It requires humility for us to receive somebody serving you. Humility is required in receiving, not just in giving. He said, wait, what are you doing? And Jesus was saying, no, I'm going to wash your feet. And if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. How many of y'all don't raise your hand? Would say that when somebody brings you a blessing or does something for you, sometimes it's embarrassing. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we feel like, oh, let me tell you why it would be embarrassing. I'm just going to be 100% honest. Is that okay? I wouldn't lie to you. The reason that it's so difficult is because we don't want to admit sometimes that we have a need. We don't want to admit that there is a need. My feet are dirty and they need to be washed. Sometimes it's difficult for us to realize, Peter's like, what are you doing washing my feet? I should be washing yours. Sometimes it's hard for us to to even admit that there is something going on or that I need help. Because our culture has pushed us to be self-sustaining. I'm a self-made man. I've got it. No, God's called us what? In Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47, to see the body of Christ. What did they do? They rallied together as brothers and sisters in Christ and nobody had a need among them because they sort of supported each other. They were there for each other. It requires humility to receive that gift. He says, wait, what are you doing, Lord? Jesus then responds so beautifully. He says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Let me go a little bit further in this whole humility thing. Many people have not received the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many people have not accepted the love of the Father and the sacrifice that has been paid for them. All because they don't want to accept they have a need. And that need is a Savior. It's Jesus Christ. So many people in this world are saying, hey, if I accept Christ, that means that I have to acknowledge that I'm in need of a Savior. And I don't need anything. I have made it. I've got it. I'm good. Everything's okay. And they give the same response that Peter gave. Wait, I'm good. Don't tell me i got a need. And here we see Jesus saying, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, if I have not washed your feet, you have no part in me. Listen, they're at the Passover. The Passover was a reminder of what happened in Exodus, in the first Passover, which meant that the blood of the lamb must have been put upon the doorpost of uh, the doorpost for the death angel to pass over. That's how they ended up leaving Egypt. And so here Jesus is basically saying, hey, unless the blood of, of my sacrifice, the blood of Christ, washes you, you have no part in me. And just a few hours later, he would be on the cross, pouring out his love and the blood of the sacrifice for you and for me. So we see here that many people don't come to Christ because they don't want to accept The free gift of eternal life. Listen, in in Philippians chapter 2, it says that that you must count other people more than yourself. The word count there means that if you're counting that, that you're making that choice, that action in order to put people uh, more important to you than yourself. It says in uh, in verse 5 and 6, it says that Jesus did not count equality with God something to be grasped. We must make a choice. We must count that other people are important and that we're going to serve them. And we must make that choice, knowing that we are in need of a Savior. In verse 9, it says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to them, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him for the reason, he said, not all are clean. Verse 12, so when he had washed their feet and taken his garment and reclined at the table, he said, do you know what I have done? He begins to explain to them. I'm sure all of them were like, what in the world just happened? The rabbi, the one that we've been following, the son of God has just washed our feet. And he says, hey, do you know what's happened? I'm so glad that that God then speaks so that we know exactly and can clear it up for all of us who just don't get it. He says, verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, you are right, for so I am. And verse 14, if I then the Lord and your teacher washed your feet, and here it is, church, then you also ought to wash one another's feet. What an example. It's not about positions in life, it's the position of the heart. He's saying, hey, if I would wash your feet, then you are to pick up the towel and you are to go and to wash others' feet. You are to go in humility and serve so that people will see Christ and not you. They will seek the example of Jesus and not the cultural norm. Can you imagine a group of people who is more focused on others around them than themselves? What an incredible body of people. If that was all of our focus, it would look so different than the world. That's why Jesus says later in chapter 13, and I read it to you earlier, That I give you this command that you love one another even as I have loved you. And he says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. They're going to see something so different because the love that you have is so different than the world. And the service that you have is so much different than the world. Let me remind you of the question I said at the beginning. Do you want to be like Christ? There's one last thing that I want to talk about. First was sacrificial love. And the second thing was service. And we're to follow that example. But let me just tell you something. When you serve, it's not going to be perfectly easy. No, actually, it's going to be a life on the path of suffering, as Jesus talks about in the Scripture. See, when we lay our life down and pick up our cross We find this path of suffering. Now that suffering sometimes people talk about is just in persecution. No, suffering can also be, think of a mother whose child is sick. Does that mother not suffer with that child that's sick? She'll serve that person. She'll serve the child. But even in her serving of that child, she is suffering alongside with that person. For many of us, we can walk through life and we're we're serving with somebody and we suffer alongside with them. See, what happens is, is that the culture says, wait, what you're doing is so different. But yet we've embraced the cross and so the world, as it says in Scripture, will hate us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 18 through 21, it says this. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake um, of of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But when you do what is right, when you serve others, when you love others and you suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. And then look at this, verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you. What was it? Leaving an example for you to follow in his steps. We just read about this, the, the, the washing of feet. And he said at the end, he said, go and do this. Follow my example. Go and serve others. And he says that in serving it's gonna be it's gonna be painful sometimes. It's gonna be painful. It's gonna to be tough. Christ suffered for us and he left us that example. So let me just kind of share this with you. Sometimes I I, I struggle because the world in our humility wants to try to humiliate. And what I mean by that is is that we need to, in serving others, share with them that God is taking broken things and taking beauty from ashes. He's creating beauty from ashes. He's taking broken things. But sometimes we're afraid to serve and to share what God has done because we're so afraid that we will offend or we're so afraid of the suffering or we're so afraid of what may come that we don't share but see jesus told us to pick up our cross daily to serve people and to share what god has done why do we serve we serve because christ has taken a a broken shattered vessel and he has put it all back together for the glory of god why do we love the way we love because he's taken a a a dead vessel and he made me alive in christ But sometimes we're fearful to speak that because we don't know how people are going to respond or react to it. See, the culture wants to humiliate us because we've been broken. Sometimes we don't share about our brokenness and and where we came from because the culture says, I can't believe that that's who you were. But God's called us to share that we once were broken people. I'll never forget I'll never forget it in college when I struggled so bad that there was a time in my life that I was broken. All of us were born into sin, as the scripture says, that I thought that I had to put on some perfect mask. I would serve people, but we would never let them know anything. I was like, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. And I just put on this mask. And what I realize is people need to know. People need to hear why I am who I am today. No matter what comes my way, people are dying with a terminal disease called sin and we have the cure for it. But we cannot be afraid of the suffering that will come when we speak in the midst of our serving. You know, one of the, the most outside of God My wife is so dear to me. I love her so much. And I tell people about my wife. And I would venture to say that many of you tell people about your husband or your wife. There's places in this world that I love to go to. The mountains are so beautiful. I talk to people about the mountains. I share with them about the beauty and the majesty of the mountains. Because I love going to the mountains. I share that with people because... I'm not ashamed of my bride. I'm not ashamed of the mountains. I'm not afraid of their response when I talk about that. So why wouldn't we in our service and in our love share about the most important thing in our life, which is Jesus Christ? Why wouldn't we in our love and in our service not share with people about the most incredible place that we're going to be one day, which is heaven? But what happens is, is that we begin to fear What's going to take place? And we've got to share with people that we once were broken people. Sinful. Apart from God. But the reason I serve today. The reason I pick up the towel. The reason that I wash your feet today. Is not because of of any position that I'm in. Not because of anything that I am. It's because my heart has been made alive in Christ. Because of what Christ did in me. And I'm not afraid to suffer for the kingdom of God. It says in the book of Luke chapter 9, it says, 9.23, it says that we must pick up our cross daily and follow after Him. I don't know about y'all, but picking up the cross daily is not just uh, the prosperity gospel. That's not in the scripture. But we're called to serve, we're called to love. And in that, we see the example of also walking in suffering. As we close... I want to take a look at Peter's response in John 13. It says this in 36 through 38. It says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Now, remember, he's already put his foot in his mouth. He's already said, wait, wait, wait! what are you doing? He didn't humbly receive what God was giving to him and doing. He says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now but but you will follow me later he says. peter said to him lord why can i not follow you right now i will lay down my life for you jesus that's what he says lord like you just washed my feet i'm with you and look at what jesus says he calls him out jesus answers will you lay down your life for me are you willing to serve others and suffer Will you truly lay down your life for me? I don't know about y'all, but can you imagine Peter? Like man, he's going on a roller coaster ride in the last minutes of this of this time frame. Jesus said, "Will you really lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times." Peter says, I'm willing to suffer for you, Lord, even to the point of losing my life for you. I'm willing to serve people in your name, Lord, even to the point that if I lose my life, I'm okay. And Jesus says, really? He says, Peter, it's not about the talk. It's about the walk. Church, let me ask you, you can put your name in here. Lord, I'm willing to give my life for you. Really? Really? David, it's not about the talk, it's about the walk. Hours later, you know the story. He denied, he denied, he denied. But praise God, when Jesus rose from the grave, what did he tell them? He said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Man, his grace is so good. So much bigger than anything I could ever fathom. So let me ask you this question. Do you love as, as Jesus did and does? Do you serve as Jesus did? Do you suffer as Jesus suffered? Are you like Christ... Do you follow his example? Would you lay your life down for Jesus?